0: one pitcher on the way to Edgar Martinez. One on The line doesn't look me for these men.
1: Here comes Joy. Here is Junior's in They're going to leave it. and when the Saints have the ball. Oh, look at this run! What a run! Oh,
0: Sean Lynch! Still oh. on his feet! Has blockers now! He's dancing his way for the touchdown! Oh. This is The Water Break on 88.9 The Bridge. All the sports knowledge you could ever need. Starting right now. Welcome into The Water Break, the best late-night sports talk show on 88.9 The Bridge. I am McLean, got Will in the booth with me, and you probably just heard Islanders baseball on this station about an hour ago. You didn't hear Will do that, but you did hear me do that. Anyway, how's it going, Will?
1: Uh, It's good. It's good. Uh, unfortunately, we're the only ones here today. Kareen um, and Sai are both gone for uh, whatever issues they may have, but we're still here to talk sports, and we're going to kind of go away from the four and four and just do a little Seattle sports update. So I think we're gonna start off with baseball and then we'll get into some of the other teams.
0: Yeah, so the Seattle Mariners are actually putting together a pretty solid week, you know, and this season's been full of pretty solid weeks. Tonight, uh, Justice Sheffield is gonna take the hill following a pretty poor outing last time around. Uh, But you know, This is a team that got absolutely shellacked by the San Diego Padres last time Sheffield took the dish, and he's he's got an easier team to face in the Rangers this time, so the Mariners should keep it competitive uh, against Dallas tonight. Uh, Last night, let me tell you, though, Chris Flexen pitched a gem, shutout baseball for five innings. He was able to work a very great game. Able to, he pitched very well. Uh, Manager Scott Service said it was his best start of the season, and I don't disagree. Uh, the offense is finally starting to wake up. Uh, even though the back of the order is filled with a bunch of waiver claims in their first week of the team, uh, you know Jack Mayfields and and Jacob Nottingham's and your your uh, Donovan Waltons. You know the back of the lineup is finally starting to wake up. It doesn't have to be. Seeger and Haniger and Lewis doing all the heavy lifting there is now actual other hitters in this lineup uh, so yeah the Mariners uh, are hanging around the 500 mark they're a little bit below 500 but with the Padres uh, series firmly in the rearview mirror that's that was the toughest series this team was going to have to play for a while uh, on to Texas and then on to Oakland
1: well, that's really good to hear, and I know I do this kind of every single time you do a little Mariners mailbag. But what do you think their odds on the playoffs are looking at right now?
0: Uh, I said to open the season, there was a ten percent chance this team was making the playoffs. Um, I think five percent. I'm giving us five percent, one in twenty.
1: Wow, so it's gotten worse.
0: Yeah, because well, everyone's hurt.
1: Oh, uh, so, you know, I
0: good. I didn't think Marco Gonzalez was gonna miss as much time as he did. Uh, And I didn't I certainly didn't think that, you know, Dylan Moore, Evan White, Ty France, which Ty France is actually back. His injury wasn't, you know, that severe. He just got hit with a pitch and then had to work out the kinks. But without without the entire uh, left side of the infield, it's been pretty difficult. Uh, J.P. Crawford has been nice, uh, like a pleasant surprise. He's hit better than a lot of people were expecting. Uh, and his gloves been there. I JP Crawford is really selling me as one of the f- parts of the future of this team, you know. But production from the catcher position has been pretty much non-existent, and all the rest of the infielders are hurt. So you know, I uh plus the bullpen. Everyone on the bullpen has COVID exposures, and they're still on the COVID list from that. So I don't know how much I trust this uh this group of waiver claims. I, I'd say five percent is about fair.
1: Well, hopefully they can get something done, because from what I've heard about the Mariners season, it's been a lot better than people expected it to be, especially considering last year and considering the players that they have.
0: They're doing about as good as I expected them to. This is about where I thought the team would be, you know, a little bit below 500 in a position to do more. We're seeing growth from the young starting pitchers. We're seeing... We are seeing. saw Kelnick already. I didn't think we'd have seen him yet at the beginning did, of the did season. Did he do pretty well? Kelnick, uh, he's been an off and on hitter. He's, okay. he's shown pop. He's shown pop in his bat, but he's been pretty unlucky, had some outs taken away from him. He's uh, been a very aggressive hitter, not the kind of, you know, wait uh, for it, patient hitter that guys like, like Ben Zobrist have popularized for leadoff hitters in the past. I think he profiles better if he's going to stick with this, you know, bombs away approach to hitting. He'd probably be better off as a five or six hole hitter maybe four if if the organization trusts his power uh you know and i think the team would be better off going with somebody like a more patient methodical hitter like jp crawford at the leadoff spot but you know i believe in kelnick the raw talent is there he's been solid with the glove uh he's looked pretty nervous but hasn't made any costly errors yet uh and he's shown power even though the the average numbers haven't exactly been there he's he's shown power and he's shown speed
1: well that's good um Switching over now to other Seattle sports, I want to talk a little bit about hockey because, yeah, they're not a team yet, but the expansion draft in the NHL 2021 draft is approaching very quickly. And they actually, the NHL just released released draft rankings for North American and uh, pretty much like European prospect or just kind of everywhere else because it's it's hard to group the two together just because they play in such isolated different areas that um, it can be very easily like international players can be either really good or really bad and sometimes the scouting doesn't match up to what they can get in North America. Um but it looks like a pretty decent draft class. We actually have Kent Johnson who is one of the others, for actually I used to watch him in Trail, played for the Trail Smoke Eaters in BCHL. He's supposed to be top five, I think, in North America. They had him up pretty high, which is expected. He's a really good player. He's setting all sorts of team stuff for University of Michigan in the NCAA. And then the number one rated pick uh, in North America, Owen Power, also a University of Michigan guy. Uh, he's really good, and I know this might not relate too much to the Kraken, but the Kraken are going to get a pretty good foothold in this draft. Uh, I think they're supposed to have one top 10 pick. I'm not 100% sure on that, um, but I know they're getting a lot more in some of the later rounds, too, so this is very important, and they better hope this is a good draft class.
0: Yeah, this first class, as we saw the last time the league expanded with the Vegas Golden Knights, the rookie class can really make or break an expansion team. You know, the Knights got lucky last time. They picked some solid veterans, found a solid goaltender kind of in the rough, Uh, but you know, it's really the rookies that make or break an expansion team.
1: That is true. Uh, And then Tying this all into Seattle, you also have uh, Luke Henman, I believe is his name, the first prospect signed out of the Quebec Major Junior League up in Ontario, Quebec area. Uh, He's, I don't really know too much about him, I believe he played for the Arvada, and he's not a big player, looks pretty skinny if you look at him, but he was one of their leaders, he did score a decent bit. And I think he has good potential to play. So making crack in history with the first ever signing. And pretty much now we're just counting down the days till we can actually get a team. And then hopefully we'll get to see him in action next year.
0: Yeah, hopefully. Uh, I don't know. I'm pretty excited for the Kraken myself. Uh, But the playoffs, the NHL playoffs, are here and now. Unfortunately, my Blues season did end like right after we finished doing the show last week. Yeah. Um, So that kind of, that was uh, not the funnest uh, show to do. But, you know, the Avs are still alive. So at least my prediction is, is still alive. I guess. Yeah.
1: I mean the Blues had a rough matchup going yeah. into that one. Um so I don't know if I was expecting a sweep, but I wasn't I certainly wasn't expecting a whole lot of resistance from the Blues because I would have been really really surprised if the abs got knocked out in the first round, especially I, with all the star power they have.
0: My prediction was abs in 5 and it was the Avs in 4. So yeah. Yeah, I was almost right. I was almost right. <laughs> yeah and then uh, and another if, team. if you listen to the show last oh. week uh i think Sai picked the coyotes right to come out of the west or something he, he went with no a coyotes pick. Coyotes a are in pick. the playoffs <laughs> yeah uh, i remember Sai. He went with said. a really deep sleeper
1: yeah uh, uh, I, I, don't I honestly did, can't but... remember yeah well another team to get swept was the edmonton oilers who have Arguably the two best players in the league at this point in time, I think the only person you would put ahead is McKinnon, uh, but they have the number one, number three players in the league, that being Connor McDavid and Leon title. They were the higher seed, and they still managed to get swept, which is, it's a rough look, and I think this could mean the end of McDavid's days in Edmonton.
0: Yeah, I gotta say, the Oilers, uh, I said, one of the first things I said on this show, like five years ago, was that the Edmonton Oilers were like the LA Angels of the NHL, uh, because they've got, you know, lots of star power and absolutely cannot put a team around them to save their life, and that, you know, holds up every year I'm vindicated, every year the Oilers are bounced out of the playoffs early, and, you know, NHL hockey's own Mike Trout is, you know, sent to watch the rest of the playoffs from the couch. It's it's It sucks. You hate to see it. It would be so much better for the game if the Oilers organization could put a team around McDavid, but c'est la vie.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I want to reference something. I actually stole this stat from a little Stephen A. Smith video of him ripping on McDavid. McDavid has only won one playoff series in six years in the NHL, wow. which is bad, and I believe he has made the playoffs... I think he's made it every single, but no, I think he might have missed a couple years earlier in his career. But still, one playoff series in six years for someone of that caliber, it's bad, and I know it's kind of ironic me pulling something from Stephen A. Smith, because I probably know more hockey than he does, and he's <laughs> a professional sports analyst, although he's not really a hockey analyst, but still, it's, it's a bad statistic when you look at it, and Especially considering how well he did in the the normal season this year, pretty much setting a point record in the short amount of games, it's it's bad, and I think yeah. I think he might be leaving Edmonton. They've really not managed to build much other than a first and second line.
0: Yeah, it's it's a team sport, especially for hockey. It's a team sport, you know. McDavid obviously in that first line, he's still only on the field for a, a third of the ice time, if that. Uh, but, you know, it's it's a lot like the L.A. Angels and their inability to put anybody around Mike Trout. Mike Trout uh, has never won a playoff series or even a playoff game, and he's only played in one playoff game in eight years of uh, being at the MLB level. It's uh, it's bad, and he's had some pretty solid star power around him too, but never a deep team. You know, I mean, he's worked with with Pujols, who was their big signing uh, early in in Trout's career, that was recently jettisoned, and much more recently, the Angels paid three hundred million bucks to get Anthony Rendon uh, in a Halos uniform, and uh, Shohei Otani, the big international signing, couldn't stay healthy. It's it, it hurts to see these talented players. You know watching the playoffs from the couch every year but you know such is the nature of sports I guess this is why people like basketball so much
1: that is true I think one of the things that mostly throws Stephen A. Smith's perspective off a little bit is he's used to basketball you know you got five guys on at a time you can put LeBron and Kawhi Leonard out there with a bunch of eighth graders and yeah that's a bit of an exaggeration but they'll still be a really good team just because LeBron and Kawhi Leonard are out there uh, in hockey, yeah, it just, it just doesn't work like that. And same with baseball. There's a full field of players. Uh, there's a lot more just team thing. And I know there's still still in basketball, but the star power is certainly more prevalent there. Yeah, even
0: even the best baseball player in the world can still only hit once every nine times. You exactly. still have to put yeah. eight other guys to the dish around him.
1: Yeah, and even pitching, I mean, you got to rotate your pitchers. What is it, like every five games? Uh, yeah, well, uh,
0: most teams will run a five-man rotation for the regular season and then a three- or four-man rotation for the playoffs uh, because you don't have to worry about rest and injuring guys, and there's more off days in between, usually. Uh, but even the best pitcher, uh, sometimes you'll see a closer that'll pitch like every other day, but it's it's rare, you know? The Mariners' yeah. best reliever this season, Kendall Graveman, were uh, what are we, almost 50 games into the season. He's still only thrown... Sixteen innings.
1: Wow, that is, well, I guess it is relievers too. They don't get a whole lot of action. But yeah, yeah I that mean, is I think I think the lot.
0: I think the appearances record for a for a Mariners pitcher in a season is like in the realm of sixty. Uh, Edwin Diaz in his twenty eighteen campaign, when he saved fifty five games, I believe, uh, appeared I think sixty or sixty one times, uh, and I believe that the 01 Mariners had a guy that appeared almost 60 times to the 116 game winning 01 Mariners. It's uh, it's tough uh, as a pitcher, especially because you just got to rest your arms so much because you throw so many pitches and you throw them so fast. Uh, it's it's a team sport. You know, you have to have a, your roster is 26 guys. They've all got to be good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, you want to talk about basketball in Seattle. I know there's not a whole lot to talk about. You have the WNBA, the Seattle Storm, which are actually to my knowledge one of the better teams. And what about the prospect of basketball ever returning to Seattle? You think that's coming up in the next decade or so?
0: Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that if if the new hockey stadium could also support a basketball team, I could totally see, you know, them rolling in a hardwood floor and sharing the stadium. But most of the time stadiums are the bargaining chip in, in basketball. And if there was, if there was like some team in a small media market playing in a rinky-dink stadium that, you know, wanted to move to Seattle. This is a city on the rise. It's getting really expensive to buy a house here. That's how you can tell that we're on the rise. And uh, the population actually grew in 2020 at a higher rate than almost every other city in the country. The only city growing faster than us, I think, is Phoenix. Uh, and granted, we weren't all that big to start with, but we were big enough for baseball and big enough for football. So I think basketball might return if, if the new stadium climate pledge arena, I think is the name. Yeah. You'll have to fact check me on. Yeah, yeah. that is,
1: it is climate pledge, Arena. climate
0: pledge arena. If climate pledge arena, uh, can support a basketball team, I could totally see some, some owner using that as a trade chip to get a new stadium or, you know, Using it as a trade chip. Or this is the ideal scenario. They use, uh, they use Seattle as a bargaining chip, and then the current team city calls their bluff. Like if the if the San Antonio Spurs owner decides he's had enough of San Antonio and says, you know, if you don't build me a new stadium, I'm gonna pick up my team and move to Seattle. We would hope that the city of San Antonio tells him to just get out yeah you know that's that's how seattle lost the sonics uh howard schultz didn't want to pay for a stadium he wanted the city of seattle to pay for it the city of seattle was still uh trying to pay for the kingdom after having torn it down and they uh moved him to oklahoma city where they are now the thunder
1: yeah yeah i would love a basketball team i think that'd be really cool and i think a lot of the reason why I haven't gotten into basketball as much as I have in other sports is just because there's no one to root for here. Like,
0: Yeah, I mean, well, I'm from St. Louis, so we didn't, have a, we didn't have a team there either. I mean, we haven't had one since yeah. the St. Louis Hawks in, like, the 70s, 80s. It's uh, been a while since there was basketball in St. Louis. Yeah, uh, I
1: guess we got the Trail Blazers, I mean, <laughs> but they're supposed, not very good.
0: We're supposed to root for the Blazers, and yeah. Dame Lillard is good. Uh, I wouldn't say the Blazers are good, but Lillard is good. Yeah, I mean, he's true. the only player in NBA history to ever win a bubble MVP, so that's pretty cool.
1: Exactly. He probably will stay that unless they have some some big pandemic thing down the road. But Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Maybe
0: in, maybe in 100 years.
1: Yeah, exactly. You never know.
0: Anyway, uh, I think this is going to about wrap up this segment of The Water Break. We're going to take a very quick break, and we will be right back. The music and conversation that spans generations never stops in eighty-eight nine, The Bridge. Stay tuned, and The Water Break will return shortly. Welcome back to The Water Break, the best late-night sports talk show on 88.9 The Bridge. I am McLean, joined by Will, and we're going to be talking about the Seattle Seahawks. Now, the Seahawks have been the model of consistency over the last few years. They've gotten double-digit wins every season that they've had Russell Wilson as the quarterback, except for 2017, but we don't really talk about that. Uh, you know, 2017 was a gas leak for the city of Seattle. It's, um, It just doesn't count. If anyone tries to bring it up, it didn't happen. Uh so do you think will that the Seahawks are going to be able to return to the playoffs?
1: I don't know. This year is certainly different than what we've seen in the past. Uh not the Seattle team, but uh the division that we're playing in. Uh, this is it's tough. I don't know if we can make it out of here. Uh I think we're going to need top performance from Russ all season, kind of how we've seen him in the first half of the season last year. And I think our defense is going to need to come through and I think Probably the biggest thing is no injuries. Injuries killed us last year, killed our defense. Uh, I think we need to stay healthy pretty much through the entire season because we cannot drop, we cannot afford to drop a couple of games uh, here and there like we could last year. Even though last year the division was tough, it is so much tougher now.
0: I gotta say. So I predicted that uh, the NFC West would send three teams to the playoffs, maybe four. And
1: yeah. Is four even possible?
0: There's three wild cards now, so yeah. Oh, I everyone yeah, else I guess has to there, lose a lot.
1: There are extra wild cards, but yeah, I, I guess it could happen.
0: I mean, this is the year for it to but... happen. The NFC West plays a lot of teams that aren't in the NFC West that aren't very good. You know? That is true. I mean the NFC West gets uh the whole division gets the AFC South. So that means Tennessee, Indy, Houston, Jacksonville.
1: Well, Tennessee and Indy aren't that bad.
0: Tennessee aren't bad, but between Houston and Jacksonville, can you name a player that that isn't Trevor Lawrence who plays for either one of those teams? Well played. Yeah, (laughs) I thought so. Anyway, (laughs) yeah, uh, (laughs) I think it'll be interesting. Seattle, uh, injuries killed the defense last year, but I'd argue that it's actually the offense that's much more top-heavy this year. Besides Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, there's pretty much nothing in that running back room. You know, and this team has not performed super well with backup running backs in the past, yeah, I mean last season true. last season,, uh, they had to let DJ Dallas tote the ball for a few games. And while he was the lead back, the offense went through probably the biggest slump that, that they have since Chris Carson joined the team.
1: yeah, that I guess I was attributing that partially to Russ, and yeah, it is kind of his fault because he is the leader of that offense. But yeah, that's true. You got to look at all the all the injuries and positions. Because he can't do it by himself, if yeah, only I'm, he could.
0: I mean, without Chris Carson, the Seahawks have a losing record in the last two seasons.
1: Yeah, yeah, we need him.
0: Yeah, And that includes Seattle is one game below 500 without Carson. I should I should make that clear. The sky isn't completely falling if, if Carson goes down. But without him, they're a game below 500. And a game below 500, even with that seventh wildcard spot, is not going to cut it this year.
1: No, for sure. Especially in our division, yeah. Who do you think is going to come out on top of the division?
0: In this division? Oh boy. I do not want to have to predict that. Uh, I'm liking what I see from the Rams. I'm liking what I see uh, from the Niners. I'm not sold yet on the cards. The cards have invested a lot in a couple of players. The offense kind of runs through DeAndre Hopkins. It'll It'll be Kyler Murray's ability to run around and not get injured and DeAndre Hopkins' ability to, you know, put a 10-152 line up there every Sunday.
1: Yeah, it's... yeah that's true. It's yeah. it's tough. I think they're, if you look at teams and how complete they are just across the board, all positions, I think you could probably say the Rams are the most complete, just looking at how good their defense is. Cam Akers kind of breaking out last year, their wide receiver core, now they have a good quarterback. I think the Cardinals are probably on the opposite end of that spectrum. Uh, they ride on a couple of really good players.
0: The Cardinals are top-heavy. The Both the offense and the defense is riding a couple of blue chippers. Uh, Buddha Baker, Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt anchoring that defense, uh, and Kyler Murray and D-Hop trying to carry that offense. They're a top-heavy team, uh, but the Cards have been able to win in the past while being relatively top heavy, depending on, you know, Chandler Jones to anchor the offense, or anchor the defense, and Larry Fitzgerald to anchor the offense. That's been a long day. I've been on the radio a while. <laughs> and uh it's um definitely going to be a nice little experiment to see just how far uh the air raid offense can go in the NFL, because this is probably the perfect team to run it. You know yeah, they've got a they've got a solid group of wide receivers. DeAndre Hopkins is the most established target, but Christian Kirk is a very good number two, and AJ Green still has something left in the tank.
1: Uh, Experience,
0: and, yeah. Out, and that's out about and out of the running back room, they've got Chase Edmonds, who's a pretty good pass catcher and a pretty good blocker in the backfield, and both of those are things that you want to see in a in an air raid running back. You know, if the air raid is going to take the league by storm this is, this has to be the season where it happens you know yeah air raid can be a tool wazoo washington state university used the air raid to almost win the pac 12 a couple of years back but then it snowed and garner Minshew couldn't you know do everything the defense kind of laid an egg and you dub ran all over them do you remember that year
1: i i kind of do i i know wsu has just always been really good at developing quarterbacks Um uh cuz I can't name the guy the coach uh I don't know why is it Mark Few? Uh yeah. Or is that someone else?
0: I think he's the current coach. If you're talking about their their previous coach. Uh yeah, I I know who you're talking about though. Really they've uh had a few great quarterbacks. Oh, no,
1: of. Few is Few is the Gonzaga basketball coach.
0: I yeah.
1: I don't know why I thought of him.
0: But I did. I don't know. Your brain probably just went, this college is on the eastern half of the state, and then went "Oh, I know. Yeah. Anyway, point is, there have been some solid quarterbacks coming out of Wazoo. We mentioned Minshew already. Uh, They've also had a couple other guys go on to get drafted. Uh, I believe the Jets uh, started a guy from wazoo and of course we're beating around the ryan leaf shaped bush you know ryan leaf obviously couldn't make things work at the nfl level but he is a very good quarterback at the collegiate level and wazoo has kind of been able to consistently get you know five thousand yard passers every season Minchu, i believe is the pass yardage record holder uh i think he hit like 6200 or something in that season uh but couldn't make it work in the apple cup couldn't uh Beat U Dub in the snow, and their season ended.
1: Yeah, I think the one Jets guy you might be talking about was Luke Falk.
0: That's the one you remember, Luke him? Falk. Yeah. I do remember Luke Falk. I
1: remember I did watch him quite a bit in WSU when he played there. Uh, but I, he plays in the CFL now.
0: Yeah, uh, CFL. What team?
1: I I wouldn't be a hundred percent sure on this, um, but I think it's a uh it's either i don't actually know i was Mm -hmm. gonna say bc lions but i i don't know the cfl that well The bc lions are about the only team i know just because my family likes them Um, all right
0: all right but i'm I'm not
1: huge into that
0: uh well my well wishes to to luke falk i hope he wins many blue cups in his cfl career um, maybe he, and if Johnny Menzel is still kicking around up there, maybe they'll have a rivalry. I don't know anything about the CFL either, but it's kind of funny to watch me try. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Wazoo has been not really an NFL quarterback factory, but certainly an NFL backup quarterback factory. You know, yeah, that's true. They've, uh, they've made a lot of backup quarterbacks. Uh, but yeah, running the air rate right up there, it's it's worked very well and it can really help uh, overcompensate for a lack of production from, you know, running backs, tight ends, big players, you know, and it can help you overcome pretty weak wide receivers, too. If you get them spread out and running easy routes, it, it helps. It helps. It's, and yeah. it's nice, you know. You can test an NFL defense, see if they really are actually prepared to defend an air raid. It'll just speed up the game a little bit, make it different. Who knows? Maybe it'll work.
1: I th- I also think it's more entertaining for the fans too. I mean, oh, you watch certain. someone like you watch someone like Derrick Henry just rip absolute massive runs, stiff arm people left and right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, but. If we're being honest, most running backs, I mean pretty much all running backs, can't replicate that level of uh, just size, skill, whatever it is. And a lot of run games end up kind of being boring, methodical. Uh, It's used to kill the clock mostly and get a couple of yards here and there. Air Raid is certainly, it's going to produce a lot more highlight plays. It's going to make it a faster paced, faster moving game. And it's going to let teams see the ball a lot more.
0: That is certainly the case in Arizona. I mean, I don't know about you, but I would much rather watch Kyler Murray run around and throw the ball 50 times a game than watch 50 Chase Edmonds runs and James Connor runs.
1: Exactly. I I don't know
0: how their running back room is going to shake out. I don't know if they've named a starter, but I would much rather see Kyler Murray than either James Connor or Chase Edmonds 50 times a game.
1: Yeah, but running it's still an important part of the game. It's good to throw defenses off. It's good to set the tone almost and yeah, chew the clock as I said.
0: Yeah, sure. So it'll help the clock get chewed. Uh but we've we've really sidetracked. We were meant to talk about the Seahawks.
1: I know. I yeah. uh
0: when I look at the Seahawks, I see them largely looking to run it back. They're their big offseason acquisitions were, you know, a couple of stopgaps on defense. They went out and got Akella Witherspoon on a one-year contract. They went out and got Carrie Hyder. Uh, they definitely tried to address the defensive line. Uh, Jerron Reed is out. Al Woods is in. They've essentially gotten older along the defense. Carlos Dunlap is out, and Carlos Dunlap is in. So, if you remember that saga. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Carlos Dunlap is back. He should uh, look to bring more juice to this pass rush. Uh, And then DJ Reed is going to be a starter. We'll see exactly what we have in DJ Reed. Uh, And Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs are going to run it back as the top safety duo. KJ Wright still a free agent, but Jordan Brooks is looking to take over. I don't know. I'm pretty excited. This defense could be pretty all right. The offense, top-heavy. Leans on Wilson, Metcalf, Lockett, and Carson a lot. You know, I, after after those four, I'm not certain I see any players who I think could move the ball or even touch the ball more than a couple times a game. Rashad Penny had a good rookie season, but until he can stay healthy, I'm going to continue to be uh, bullish on him.
1: I, I think or, you could include is, Dwayne is Brown the in one? there in the last couple of years. He's been a really solid piece of our O-line.
0: Oh, sure. I mean, he's he is very old, though, and, you know, Father Time's undefeated, so...
1: Yeah. And then, speaking of running it back, you think Brady can do it one more time in Tampa Bay?
0: I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. And I, the only reason that I'm also bullish on... Wait, is bullish or bearish the good one? I don't trade stocks.
1: I... Yeah, I wouldn't know. I thought... Drat. I uh, this is completely random, but it could be it could be bullish because like the red flag. I don't know.
0: Okay, so bearish is the bad one. So I guess you could say Uh, I'm I'm bearish on Tom Brady. I don't know. He's forty-three. Father time is undefeated. I know people have been saying that Tom Brady's gonna like, oh, th- this was the last year he's gonna fall off the cliff after this for like six years now. But yeah. I don't know about. I don't know if I like this. You I was know, I
1: was kind of on that train last year, and I I I mean I kind of ate my words. I think everyone did when you won a Super Bowl. I still don't know how to feel about it though.
0: I also it, know. My other issue is with Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians is one of my favorite coaches uh in football because he pr- consistently makes football that's fun to watch, but he's rarely ever a winning coach two years in a row. And granted, he got pretty unlucky in Arizona where a lot of his success was tied directly to the health of Carson Palmer, which is let's face it not the best wagon to hitch your stars to. Not a good thing to have to. your
1: uh, success tied to. No.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh but I I think that, you know, Bruce Arians has tried time and again to win with a backup quarterback, but in terms of winning with a backup quarterback, he is not a good coach for that. You know, Sean Payton can win with backup quarterback. Sean Payton got Teddy Bridgewater to go 5-0. and Sean Payton can win with a backup quarterback he's fine. Uh, There's, there've been other teams, you know, Doug Peterson was able to win a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback, but Bruce Arians has never really been able to take a backup quarterback to the playoffs. You know, Mike Zimmer, the kind of guy who can do that. Mike Zimmer can lose his starter and his second string in, in the first week of the season and then have Case Keenum take his team to 13 wins, you know, but, but Bruce Arians has pretty consistently not been able to get his backups to do anything good. Especially not at the quarterback position. I know Brady's only been injured really once before, but it's still not the kind of thing that I can go on the air and say, "Well, I think the Bucks will certainly run it back because the risk is just too high," you know? I'm not sure that Bruce Arians is a safe bet, and I'm not sure that Tampa Bay doing the exact same thing again is a safe bet either. They did return all their starters. It's not like they got worse on paper, and they did retain all of their coaching staff. So everything should reasonably be the same, but the rest of the conference got quite a bit better. Yeah. You know, so I don't know if I don't know if I can say that they should be thinking Super Bowl again. I know they should definitely be thinking division again. There's not too many threats in that division, but I don't know if I'm ready to believe in Bruce Arians as a as a playoff winning coach.
1: All right, interesting. I guess the only time will tell. Uh we'll see. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Time will tell. Anyway, that's going to be it for this episode of The Water Break. Thank you guys for listening to The Water Break, the best late-night sports show on nine The Bridge. We're going to hop off. Uh, the music conversation that spans generations never stops on nine The Bridge. And if you really liked me, you can stick around for, like, three hours. I'll be on with my comedy show at 11 tonight. That's the Vega. self-promo over. Uh, here's music on nine The Bridge.